2: looking to expand or move your company? Ohio has the talent you need to scale for growth. Ohio's central location, reliable infrastructure, and top-ranked business climate are here to help you succeed. Get to business. Visit successinohio.com today.
1: Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what do we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. Eight billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.
0: Hey, it's Mistress Carrie. Reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 73 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Digital Federal Credit Union, better known by all of us by now as just simply DCU. And when it comes to car and auto financing, DCU is the only place you got to go. Whether you're driving off the lot or refinancing, DCU can help you save on your next auto loan with rates as low as 1.49% APR. You heard me right, 1.49% APR. You can learn more at dcu.org slash auto. Insured by the NCUA, membership required. Over the years, I can't even count the things that I've worked on with DCU. And I'm proud to have DCU as a sponsor of the Mistress Carrie podcast. Find them online at dcu.org slash auto. All right, you're going to have to buckle up for this week's episode of the podcast because it is a good one. Of course, it's the week of Halloween. And it's my favorite day of the entire year. So I had to find a guest that was going to encompass all of the things about Halloween that I absolutely love. And I found the perfect guest, Cassandra Peterson. Wait, you don't know who Cassandra Peterson is? Oh, yes, you do. She's the woman that brought us Elvira. Yes, Elvira is on the Mistress Carrie podcast this week. Cassandra Peterson, the woman behind the Hollywood icon Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, has recently released her never-before-shared details about her life in her all-new tell-all memoir. The book was published to coincide with the 40th anniversary of Elvira and in conjunction with the author's 70th birthday. I know, Cassandra Peterson is 70. It's crazy. The book is called Yours Cruelly, Elvira Memoirs of the Mistress of the Dark, and it came out last month. Cassandra Peterson has lived a full life, way too much to even fit into one memoir. So when I sat down to talk to her, where do you even begin? I have been a fan of Elvira's for years, and the fact that I got to sit down and talk to Cassandra Peterson about the music she loves, her upbringing, What it was like to start Elvira and what the world has been like ever since. We talked about Elvis and the Groundlings and Jimmy Page and Jimi Hendrix. Her 25 year marriage that ended in divorce and her scandalous headlining making relationship that she's had in secret for the last 19 years. There is no better way to celebrate Halloween on the Mistress Carrie podcast than with Elvira. So allow me to introduce you to Cassandra Peterson.
2: have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, my God. Cassandra Peterson is on the
1: show. Hello. How are you? I'm extra super good because I just found out my book, which I have a thousand copies up here behind me. My book just hit number four on the New York Times bestseller list.
0: Congratulations. I'm freaking out. I know. Thank you. I can't believe it. That is got to be so strange for you because this is kind of the first thing that's just about you and not just about Elvira.
1: It is. It's the first time I've kind of discussed my personal life
0: with anybody uh, in 40 years. (laughs) Um, Were you at all nervous? Like, talk to me about finishing the book, you send it to the editors and the producers, and then everybody says, okay, we're good to go. Was there even a thought that you were like, "Uh, maybe this shouldn't come out? Yes,
1: I had a lot of those thoughts. I'm still having them. In the middle of the night, I wake up going, why did I talk about that? You know, um, I have so many things. I just like spilled the beans and I thought, screw it. I'm turning 70. What have I got to hide? What is it going to The repercussions, what are they going to be? And actually nothing because I have plenty of work. I have enough money. I'm okay. So I didn't, you know, I keep telling myself, don't worry about it. And um, oh, and now I'm very happy. I still have a, few things I'm nervous about, people don't like me talking about.
0: <laughs> was it the 70th birthday that was kind of the catalyst for this? Or were you just like, this is COVID and I might as well just get this book together while I'm not doing anything else?
1: Yeah, well, it kind of a combination. First of all, I've been going to do it for 15 years. And I uh, I've been writing little bits and little essays and notes and this and that. For the longest time. And I thought someday I'll write my autobiography. And uh, everybody I know, all my friends have been saying, you've got to write a book. You just have too bizarre of a life. And uh, finally, the pandemic I mean, in, you know, the pandemic is certainly not good, but it did give me the time to sit down and actually do the work that I had to do because Otherwise I was running around the country and doing all these different projects. And I never got the time that writing a book takes and it takes a lot of time. Oh my God. I, when I got into it, I really didn't imagine how much time it would take a good thing. I got a book deal and had to turn it in.
0: So it's a lot of work to write a book and you decide, okay, I'm going to do it. Did you have to call anybody to have them fill in blanks? Because it's a long career with a lot of crazy stories.
1: I got together with a lot of people, a lot of my old friends, and I asked them, um, you know, information about like when I was in Vegas, my old choreographer, Jerry Jackson, I got together with him and asked him for info. I got together with my ex-manager, asked him for stuff, a lot of different people. And it's kind of funny. uh, Some of the people I contacted, like some of my uh, the girls that were in the Las Vegas show with me when I was a showgirl, I contacted one of them and. They don't remember most of these stories. I mean, and they have a different version. It's so funny. I'll talk to people who have a completely different version of it. And it doesn't doesn't change the story. But for example, I mentioned in the very top of the book, my friend Donna Kaufman um, told me about the Elvira audition. And I remember waking up the day after I got married on my honeymoon and getting a call from her. She remembers me getting ready for my wedding. She said I was just getting into the dress, <clears throat> excuse me, getting ready to be married. And she called. But you know, things like that. It's still the, the same outcome, but it's like that Japanese movie where everybody has their, what was that, Rasta, Rastaman? Rastaman, I think. No, yeah, I, think,
0: I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Well, It's like that three sides to any story, your version, my version, and the truth. So it's in there somewhere.
1: It's in there somewhere. It was all, it didn't change the outcome, but it was the way I got there that other people would have their own version of that.
0: Well, it's a story of the girl from Kansas that ends up in the city of sin (laughs) and then ends up on a date with Elvis, which what?
1: I know pretty odd, right? I mean, I think the oddest thing about that story was that. When I was 14, I went to see Viva Las Vegas, that movie with Elvis and Ann-Margaret. And I was already a huge Elvis fan and a huge Ann-Margaret fan from Bye Bye Birdie. So I went to see that movie. And in some of the scenes, there's showgirls. And it was the first time I'd ever seen showgirls or knew there was such a thing. And I got it in my head, man, that that was what I was going to be. And it didn't matter that I wasn't tall enough or pretty enough or <laughs> talented enough. I just thought, that's what I'm going to do. And three years later, I'm on a vacation with my mom and dad and get kind of chosen out of the audience. Hey, quiet, poem. Chosen out of the audience to be uh, in a show that they were they were just, uh, you know, coming out with the, the next day. They were having auditions. So it was just, I don't know. I, I believed it and manifesting things and i I really think that if you think about something hard enough and dream about it and good and bad so be careful what you think right
0: yeah right exactly i mean good on your parents they take you (laughs) to vegas you get an audition and they're like okay can you imagine if they had said no what would have happened
1: Oh, well, they did say no at first. They totally said no. They said, are you out of your mind? We're not going to let you run around on stage with your clothes off, you know. Um, And so I had to go back to Colorado Springs with them after I got the part and argue with them for three months uh, until I graduated high school. The show didn't start until um, the beginning of the, the end of summer. So I graduated high school, made my parents life of living hell for <laughs> months until they finally they would have done anything to get rid of me. I think they a lawyer and had to sign a waiver uh, that said I could work in, in Vegas, uh, even though I was under age. So they finally did it. But I uh, yeah, I threatened, cajoled. But, oh, you wouldn't believe it. You know, I was a really bad, a typical, horrible Every parent's nightmare teenager.
0: You have said in other interviews that you grew up always loving horror stuff. I did. And usually horror and rock and roll seem to kind of go together. Did you grow up loving rock and roll too?
1: Oh, hell yes. Are you kidding? I mean, the first vivid moment I have of rock and roll, hearing it, knowing what it was, was when I was five years old and I got, um, for Christmas, I got a little portable record player and the 45 of You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog by Elvis Presley. And that was it for me. I freaking loved rock and roll from then on out. And, um, and yeah, the horror thing came in, in in like between second and third grade when I saw my first horror movie starring Vincent Price. And I was obsessed with it. I just wanted to see nothing but horror from that time on. And I started buying horror magazines and painting little model kits of Frankenstein and the Wolfman and all of that. So, yeah, I, I really got into it. But you were 100 percent right that horror and rock and roll go together. Yeah, I can't tell you how many conventions I've been with where, well, they all kind of have a, a rock and roll element and a horror element,
0: you know. Is the that two- Vincent Price behind you in that picture with you as Elvira? It, it is. Look at where is he? Oh, there he is. This is the first day I met Vincent.
1: Can you guys see it? Okay, yeah. a little shiny. Yeah, the first day he came on my show, Movie Macabre, which I just couldn't believe. I mean, it was like a miracle. It happened again. I feel like I manifested him. There I was with my childhood idol, Vincent Price, doing a show. And it was my show. <laughs> I was like, what? I could barely breathe that day. But he was so freaking nice and funny and charming that he quickly just you know put me at ease.
0: I mean, you, you get your first 45, get introduced to rock and roll, then you end up in Vegas as a showgirl on a date with Elvis.
1: I know, right? I, there's a lot of witchy stuff going on there, right?
0: Yeah. And, and you know, there's something about um, the Jimmies in rock and roll. You know, there's the Jim trifecta of Hendrix and Paige and Morrison.
1: Who I never was lucky enough to meet.
0: But, yeah, you, my, but you did my meet my Hendrix heart. and Jimmy Page, though, right? I
1: did. Jimmy Page and Jimmy. I got two out of the three. Just like I met three out of the four Beatles um, eventually. Finally, I never got to see them perform, which was is probably the biggest regret in my life. Um, but I did get to meet them, all except for John, who sadly was my favorite. And... Um, yeah, the Jimmys. It was awesome. I love Jimmy Page at that uh, at that time, still do, and especially love uh, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, while I was writing my book, I think I sat there and played. It was either Led Zeppelin or Hendrix the whole time I wrote my book. Practically, I just love them. I can't get over them.
0: Well, Jimmy Page is perfect example of a guy that's rock and roll and horror, just because that's kind of his whole thing yeah is it really
1: i didn't well, know he was involved in horror
0: well i mean he lived in Aleister crowley's house uh, that's true that's true i never even thought about that so it's like all of that kind of occult and spooky dark side of the world kind of thing
1: yeah and and i mean he's so freaking amazing being with the yardbirds first of all which i think is one of the best bands ever uh the best guitar band and then and then going on to form Led Zeppelin. I mean, I, I don't think people know that Jimmy Page is actually the person who put Led Zeppelin together and he has played on every freaking rock album you can imagine because he was a, sh- a session player before all that. So brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, have you seen, they might be loud. Is that the name of it? Yeah. With Jimmy. Page. Oh my God. One of my favorite movies. And I, I, I'm happy to say I'm a good friend of Jack White's, and I thought that movie was just freaking amazing.
0: Well, you have your career came up. You had to have just been in a cyclone of rock bands all the time as Elvira.
1: Yeah, you mean after I became Elvira?
0: Well, just I mean, never mind the Vegas stuff, but but Elvira just it goes hand in hand with rock and roll. I mean. It does. And I, I was invited
1: to be a presenter at the Grammys, a presenter at the VMA Awards, um, where I got to meet all these bands. And before I was Elvira, I was a PA on Don Kirshner's rock concert. I, I, I don't know if you're old enough to remember that, but
0: that I know was, like, what it concert. is. I didn't get to watch yeah. it, but I know what it is.
1: Yeah, it was just the premier rock show, you know, showcase on TV. So I worked on that for a couple of years and had the greatest time meeting everybody you can imagine. Um, Yeah. So I've just always been involved with rock. And one thing I didn't even get to in my book that I should have talked about is I was a a DJ at KROQ here in LA, which was the, the top rock station. And I got to play any music I wanted. I got to go out, see bands, get their little cassette tape and play it on my show, which was amazing. I mean, you can't really do that so much these days if you're a DJ on commercial radio. Yeah,
0: it's hard to get that kind of freedom nowadays, but.
1: Yeah, so I've been, you know, involved in rock my whole life. And then when I became Elvira, it was amazing how many uh, rock venues I got invited to that I got to meet all of my, you know, idols
0: well, Cassandra Peterson has always had a career outside of Elvira, but obviously Elvira is your most famous and notorious, I guess, role, although I feel kind of weird calling it a role because she kind of took over your whole life. But you, you had an experience that very few people could have, maybe the guys in Kiss in the 70s, where as soon as you took it off, you could walk down the street And even though Elvira was world famous, Cassandra Peterson could still kind of have a normal life.
1: Oh, totally normal. That was one of the absolute best things about being this character was that when I took off all the drag, I could walk around, you know, I walked among them and nobody noticed me. Now, of course, as time goes on, they're noticing me and recognizing me a little bit more, but my entire life, um, I spent just as a normal person, didn't have to wear makeup to the grocery store. Uh, my child had a normal life because nobody was running up to me asking for autographs or doing any of that. So that was absolutely the best part. And you're right. There's there's Gene Simmons. There's maybe Alice Cooper. I mean, who else? You know, Pee Wee Herman. We're part of a very, very exclusive club us uh, character people.
0: <laughs> and you you got to do it in a time where social media wasn't trying to unmask you too, because it wouldn't be possible nowadays to be famous like that and to still have nobody know who you were in real life.
1: Yeah, you're right about that. With the advent of the computer and and the internet. um, Yeah. Things definitely went south as far as that, that was concerned. Um, Yeah. I think someone would have a very hard time being a secretive character nowadays. Did
0: anybody then, ever talk to you about Elvira to you, not knowing you were her?
1: Oh, yeah. Happened all the time. I'd go to parties and stuff, and people would just bring up Elvira randomly, and they'd, I'd, people would just start yakking away about her, and I just usually kept my mouth shut. The thing I loved the most was when I met somebody, and I would be introduced to them, and they'd say, oh, this is Cassandra Peterson. They'd go, oh, hi, how are you? How are you? And then two seconds later, they say, she plays Elvira. And then, oh, my God, you're so nice. I kind of hated that. Uh, (laughs) But uh, that happened a lot, too.
0: What's the most strange, awkward, random kind of interaction you've had with a fan because you play Elvira?
1: I've had a lot of them. One in my very early days was... At KHJ, where I was on just locally here in LA and a small TV station, Um, I had a little dressing room out in the back and there was this creepy guy hanging around out there in the alley. And uh, I was Elvira and the security guards warned me, be careful of this guy. He's hanging around waiting for you to come out. And I went in the dressing room, took off all my makeup, took everything And then came out and here was this creepy guy and he was going, is Elvira coming out soon? And I go, yeah, she's going to be out in just a few minutes. Just wait right here. And (laughs) I took off in my car. It was awesome. Maybe he's still waiting there. We don't know. 20, 40 years later.
0: (laughs) I bring it uh, out because I want to I want to make it on this awkward list. So I have to tell you this story that when I was when I was younger, I went to a Halloween party dressed as Elvira.
1: Oh, sweet. I can see that. You, you look like you would fit the character. I had the
0: dress. I had the wig. I spent countless time trying to perfect your eye makeup, did the whole thing. And that was the night that I decided I was going to lose my virginity and I was dressed up like Elvira. What?
1: Oh, crap. Wow. Boy, you made some guy's dream come true.
0: <laughs> so he may have never gotten to have sex with you, but I guess I was you by proxy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, boy, is he lucky. Yeah, my my husband tried to talk me into getting the, uh, in the outfit and, you know, do it. And I was like, no, I will screw up my wig. I'm going to mess up my makeup. I'm too uncomfortable. Yeah, so I never did it. So it, <laughs> sadly for him.
0: You guys were together 25 years and you never gave him the Elvira experience. Not once? Not
1: once. Not once. Damn. Very, I did not want to mess up my hair. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's pathetic right. Well, when I started on the radio, um, the the I used to be on the air at night and and the listeners, you know, it's again, rock and horror, or whatever, they gave me the name Mistress Carey. Because they would call up and say, I spend every night with you. It's like there's another woman in my life, and my wife knows about it. And so they just started organically calling me Mistress Carrie like 23 years ago. And people, when I would introduce myself or say, oh, yeah, you got to come on my radio show, Mistress Carrie, they'd go, like Elvira, Mistress? And I'd be like, there's only one Elvira, okay?
1: Yeah, but you got a little bit of that in there. That's good.
0: Yeah, Yeah. a a little, a little attitude, a little attitude.
1: And I don't have to sue you or anything. So we're all good.
0: No, 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 no. Trust me. It's Elvira (laughs) is safe. Um, Now, I know that because you wrote this book, there have been mentions about retiring. Is that Is that going to happen? And does Elvira retire with you or are they going to try to cram somebody in that dress? Because it's going to be hard to fill that bra, Cassandra.
1: Yeah, you know, I tried that route. I tried getting somebody. I did a a four-part reality show called Search for the Next Elvira, where we had 2,000 people vying to play the next Elvira. We winnowed it down to 10, and then we picked the best one. And then we tried to pawn her off uh, at different parades in Nebraska and uh, different venues. And they just weren't buying it. They weren't having it. It didn't work out. I was bummed out because I thought I would love to be like Santa Claus, where you can go to a mall and sit on Elvira's lap and tell her what you want for Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I knew I'd have to recruit other Elvira's, but, Just didn't work out. It was a fun show to do though. So that was okay. But I don't know, every single decade I say, I started Elvira when I was 30. I said, I'm going to retire when I'm 40. And then I said, I'm going to retire when I'm 50. And then it was 60. And now it's 70. And I'm like, oh my God, I really have to. Do I really want to be doing this when I'm 80? I don't know. Did
0: you sell your soul to Satan because you don't look 70?
1: Thank you. I did so my soul to say it. now. I hope the bill doesn't come due anytime soon. <laughs> I'll look like the crypt keeper. Oh man. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still hanging in there. So, but you know, the other day I looked uh, I saw Jane Fonda, the woman's like 82, 85. I don't know what she is, but she looks fantastic. And then I said, hmm, maybe I can still play. Elphir. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think even if I quit playing the character that, Elvira will still continue without me. Just the, the image, kind of like Santa Claus, because there isn't really a Santa Claus. Wait, I don't
0: sh- really don't don't tell anybody that. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so I, I think the image
1: could still live on without me doing it.
0: I well, hope. well, Elvira's image has been on everything. What's what's the craziest piece of merch? I mean, you've been on pinball machines and obviously your Halloween costumes, obviously, but what are, what are some of the things that you either couldn't believe you actually made or things you said, hell no, you're not making that.
1: I pretty much didn't say hell no to anything. Um, if you read my book, you'll see, i pretty much say yes to everything <laughs> in my life. And uh, that worked for me sometimes, sometimes not, but I think the the wackiest thing I had was this little smelly thing that hangs in your car, you know, on the mirror. It smells bad. I don't know what it smelled like, but a really crazy item I have coming out in just a week or two is an Elvira Chia pet. What? (laughs) My hair grows. (laughs) I know it's so dorky, but I thought, I thought it'd be really fun. You know? Um, I don't know, from people who remember Chia Pets from God knows whenever they came out, what, the 70s or oh, something?
0: People are still, if you go on TikTok, people are still playing with yeah. Chia Pets all the time. Okay, well, they got an Elvira one coming down the pike any day now. When you when you get yourself together to write a book, you've got to kind of become nostalgic over things. I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of person that finds sentimental value in everything. I'm not quite a hoarder, but I love to keep things. And
2: Thank with you. the
0: career you've had and the experiences and the people that you've met, what are the things that you keep that you're like, you know what, this this means something to me from your career. I mean, you could have a whole house just filled with Elvira stuff if you weren't careful.
1: I know. And I would if I didn't, if it wasn't for my four storage units that I pay a fortune for, where I have everything (laughs) that you could ever imagine stuffed in there. Um, It's funny. I do keep everything. Like for my book, I had this old letter that Elvis wrote to me. I had a drawing from the uh, guy, the first guy I slept with. I don't know if it took but i slept with them and he drew a little picture of us the next day i had um i have all my old diaries from when i was from the time i was like seven or eight till now i have every letter i ever got from everybody so i have an insane amount of stuff and every single backstage pass from every band i've ever seen in my life um and some drumsticks some guitar picks, you name it. I have got all that junk. I cannot throw anything away. What? I'll be on an episode of Ho- Hoarders uh, <laughs> probably next month.
0: What is one of the best concerts or the best concert you've ever seen?
1: Oh my God, the best. Okay. Um, man, okay. I saw the Rolling Stones really early, probably in 68 or something. That was pretty awesome. Um, Prince, I've got to say, Although Prince and Michael Jackson weren't my I mean, I love both of them, especially Prince, but they weren't my n- number one favorite kind of music. But I've got to say they put on the best show I've ever seen. And Queen. Oh, my God. Queen. Freddie Mercury. I mean,
0: see, now that's a regret that I don't have that. I never got to see Freddie Mercury live.
1: Oh, my God. I got not only to see him while well, I have a little story about Freddie uh, and me. Not, there was no sex involved because, you know, Freddie. Anyway. but Hey, you can't uh, make I, gay I,
0: jokes now, Cassandra Peterson.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but, Not because I you know. can't
0: make them, but because you're in a relationship with a woman uh, we just found out. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I'm going to stop
1: talking about that. <laughs> but um, I did have an awesome time with Queen and, and uh, Freddie and I shared something in common. You'll have to read the book about that. Um, but that was one of the most amazing concerts. Oh my God, seeing, he was at the forum here in LA. And I mean, the audience, you know, it was just zillions of people. And it was just mind blowing how great they were. Um, I'll tell you another person who I've seen in concert who I think is one of the best people uh, all time. And that is Jack White. Um, on his own or in White Start, uh, I thought he has the energy of a Led Zeppelin, of a Jimi Hendrix. You know, he's got, he's got this thing that.
0: It's a very like reincarnated old rock and roll soul.
1: It is, it is. I mean, I hadn't been as excited about it seeing a, a rock performance in a couple of decades when I, when I saw his show and I've seen it now a million times, but he really has that energy of, uh, I was telling it's so much like Led Zeppelin or like Hendrix that's You know, he's he's like uh, very unique, very one of a kind.
0: When you look back at your career, especially the time as Valvira being this buxom, sexy, and and you look at the world the way that it is now and the way that women are trying to move things forward, especially with the part in your book where you talk about Wilt Chamberlain and the Me Too movement. Do you have any kind of regrets about Elvira and the way she was, or how have you kind of looking back at your entire career? Kind of, how do you look at it as a whole now?
1: Well, I list in the book. I list a lot of uh, times. I mean, I was a go-go dancer, then I was a showgirl, and then when I came to Hollywood, I was getting parts. I was always getting cast as. A showgirl, a stripper, a hooker—you know—that uh, was the parts. I think it had to do with my figure. I imagine. Well, you then, and you're
0: and you're hot as balls. Oh, oh thank you. My you're God.
1: <laughs> anyway, I always got those parts. I knew I was never going to play the mom in a commercial. You know, that just was not a part I would get cast as. Um, but yeah, I went through some tough times with men, you know, and I didn't talk about it as much until I talked about it in my book, because the Me Too movement had come out. And um, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't regret anything I did at all, but I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm rambling. I'm not sure I'm a- answering your question. Well, but- no,
0: but it's has have women ever given you crap about the things you've done in your career because they thought maybe it objectified women as a whole?
1: Oh yeah, they, they have. And I mean, I see it the opposite way. I don't see Elvira as a sexual object, Elvira. I see her as a very strong, independent, take no prisoners, kind of, I'll kick your ass character. But women, there are a few women who who think of her as, oh, you're exploiting your body and you're showing out. And I'm going, you know what? I got this body, what am I supposed to do? Cover it up, hide it, that's how I was born, I can't help it. I'm gonna utilize it, I'm going to, you know, be proud of it, and I hope I hope women that read this book, um, you know, will think about themselves that way. Why, why do you have to cover yourself up or hide or be be ashamed because you have breasts? Oh my God, it's so horrible. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just rambling along here, but I don't know. It, it, it's it's horrible. It really is. What happens? women i'm sure you have many instances instances in your life you're a very beautiful woman that you you, that you've had uh
0: well we all get asked those questions right when you have bright purple hair i can't tell you in the last however many years it's been i mean it's it's literally been purple for over 30 years now how Uh, many times i've been asked does the carpet match the drapes (laughs) I can't imagine you could even count the number of times someone's asked you if your boobs were real.
1: Oh God! I mean, a billion times, and and the same—the carpet and the drapes thing—because I'm a redhead, you know. Right. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean,
0: like what? Yeah,
1: why do you even have to
0: get asked that? What, if you, you weren't know? such a creep that asked me that question, maybe you'd have a chance of finding out, asshole. That's what I say. Right. To
1: good. Oh, I like it. Good answer. I'm gonna write. <laughs>
0: And you also kind of violate the rule, too, that, like, hot chicks can't be funny because you were a groundling. That is true. That was a really funny thing back in the 70s
1: when I started doing comedy at the Groundlings. There were no comedians before that didn't... uh, It it was really weird. If you were pretty, you couldn't be funny. If you were funny, you had to look dumpy or something. You know, all the comedians, it's sad to say, were like, Joan Rivers before plastic surgery and Todi Fields, who was chubby. And all of these women, Phyllis Stiller, who looked like, you know, she set her hair on fire. (laughs) You had to look goofy. And I mean, I loved all those women comedians. I loved them. Um, But pretty women didn't do comedy. Um, And I think that's changing now. You know, it doesn't matter how you look, you can be funny. If you're ugly or pretty or whatever you are, you can still be funny. Um, it's very much a comedy business is very much an old boys club. Very, very much hard for women to break in and any, any, uh, you know, I I don't know what to say. I don't know. It's, it is harder for women. And, and, uh, I think they, they have to work twice as hard to get anywhere in comedy. I think all the women on Saturday night live have to be twice as funny and work twice as hard. Um, it's, you know, that way. And, comedy and it's that way and a lot of other businesses you know it's not exclusive to show business that's for damn sure
0: what are it, what are you well. gonna do with all your elvira stuff like what is the legacy of elvira A uh, a vegas museum i mean you got all this stuff you're paying for storage units you, yeah. you're gonna want to put this someplace where we can all enjoy it right
1: yeah well Coming up, not too long from now, after Halloween, I am going to be auctioning off a lot of my oh, stuff. No. Yes. I am keeping my little red velvet sofa. I'm keeping my candelabra. I'm keeping my macabre mobile. But a lot of the smaller things that I've collected uh, throughout my life, I've just decided it's time to get rid of them. I just can't keep adding more and more and more storage and paying for more and more. I just think it's time for fans to be able to in, enjoy it too. You know, um, I mean, what am I going to do? I don't, I don't want to um, keep it and then give it to my child. that has to deal with it. You know,
0: does she, does she, Start away. It, is she growing up wanting to be involved in show business at all?
1: Not really. Uh, although she's an awesome guitar player. Really? So. Yeah. Really good guitar player. So you never know. You might go that way.
0: Because it, it, maybe it was the fact that you were able to give her such a normal childhood that she didn't feel like she kind of needed to follow in your footsteps.
1: Possibly. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Although, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it was more normal than than it would have been if Elvira was just her mom, but it wasn't that normal. Right. <laughs> Pretty rock and rolly. I was taking her to concerts and blasting music. And so she got a big dose of that and luckily loves music and loves playing music.
0: Is it weird for you that everybody that, that it was such a huge story when you finally talked about your relationship now, are you surprised that everyone's so surprised? Um, kind of, I'm like,
1: wow, I'm a really good secret keeper. I, you know, and all my close friends and relatives know uh, and have known for 19 years, and they're obviously really loyal because nobody leaked it.
0: Seriously, you you tested yeah. your friendships and your relationships in a major way. Yep, I I really am amazed
1: that it stayed out of the public, you know, uh, eye this long. I couldn't believe it, and you know, T, my partner, and I work together. She's my assistant. We go on the road together. She does all the heavy lifting, literally carrying all our bags and setting up everything and just taking care of me, booking the hotels and the flights and doing all of that, that work. And so we're always together and people always see us together
0: at appearances. So I'm really shocked. Nobody uh, ever thought something was going on. It's hard to believe. I can only imagine how many times someone's gone up to tea trying to, get your phone number or get access to you. And the whole time she's just going, bro, <laughs> you don't got a shot, bro.
1: And that did happen a lot. And the other funny thing is how many times she got hit on. You wouldn't believe she was getting hit on by women, by men, you name it. Were you and getting ready to I, throw punches? I almost. I'd be sitting right next to her going, give them the spank eye. <laughs> It was so funny, but I couldn't say anything. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it was hilarious. You'd see the, these these women just hit. No, she's, she's very attractive and uh, very androgynous. So she gets hit on by women as much as men. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of <laughs> weird. Yeah, I'd be to one inch away from punching someone.
0: Well, I couldn't. I couldn't have Halloween season, which is my favorite season of the year, which I'm sure it's your season too. I couldn't have it go by without having you on the show. And your book is this fascinating kind of strange journey. Your life had to be a book. So thank you for sharing it with us.
1: You're welcome. Yeah, I shared just about everything in there. There's sex. There's nudity. There's violence. It's all in there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's um, I'm very envious of someone that can be so open and honest and unapologetically themselves. And maybe mm-hmm. that's something that comes with getting older. Maybe that comes with financial security. Maybe it just comes with not giving a shit anymore. Whatever it is. It's all three of those things. You named exactly what it is. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, It's it's getting
1: older. It's having financial security. And it's like, really like, I don't give a shit. What do I have to lose? You know, put it all out there. It's not good to hold secrets in. It gives you
0: gas. Once you release a book, the obviously next question is, is there going to be a movie about your life and who's going to play you?
1: I really hope there is a movie uh, uh, about my life. And and I've been thinking, who could play me? And I decided Dolly Parton. (laughs) He's the only one with the right equipment. I don't know who the hell else could play me. I don't know who it would be. Somebody funny. It'd have to be a comedian.
0: Because just like Freddie Mercury and all of the artists that we've been talking about, like... People want to know these stories of of the people that are beloved in their lives. And Elvira has played such a huge role for so long in people's lives. But your story is so fascinating. Somebody's got to play you. And look, they're CGI. They can give anybody your boobs if they try hard enough.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they probably can. I mean, the boobs are the least least of it, right? Right. Um, Yeah, but there would have to be somebody, uh, well, there'd probably have to be several actors uh, because they'd have to play me from being a tiny baby until being seventy. That would cover quite the the gamut there. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd say there maybe had to be what seven of them or something.
0: Right. There's d- seven different Cassandras. Is there well, anything well, left? I'll let I'll let you go after this question. Is there anything left for you that you haven't done? A goal now that you're kind of putting a bow on everything. The book is out. What what's something that now that COVID Hopefully, in 2022, is going to kind of go away. What What's a life goal that you have not done yet?
1: <coughs> Pardon me. Um, the three things are making a movie of my life, making a documentary, definitely of my life, and the third thing is I am just dying to do a Broadway play of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. You know, like Legally Blonde or Hairspray. Yeah, um, a, a, a weirdo who who follows her dream and accomplishes that. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, so I'm, as soon as this is all wrapped up, I'm really looking uh, forward to work, starting work on those projects. Excuse me. I'm jagging here.
0: No, it's all right. I, if, if you have, you know, if you're, if you're coughing during a pandemic and I'm interviewing you through the internet, then I don't have to worry about getting coughed on.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're just happy that we're on zoom.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right? But I mean, you could set yourself up where you could, you could turn into an EGOT. Wow. What's that? That That's an EGOT as a person that wins an Emmy, a oh, Grammy, okay. an Oscar, and a oh. Tony. Yeah. So if you're going to have a Broadway play, yeah, why not?
1: Yeah. Well, you never know. I just got on the New York Times bestseller list, so I'm like, that is going to help. I know it will. So I'm very, very excited about those projects.
0: Are the kids getting copies of the book when they trick-or-treat? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. I have about as you can
1: see, I've got like enough books here. Yeah, that is a perfect thing to give the kids. Yeah, I don't know that if anybody under uh, maybe 14 should read it. (laughs) uh, Yeah, maybe I'll save it for the older trick or treaters.
0: You seem like somebody that gives full size candy bars to the trick or treaters, though.
1: Definitely. I'm never home for trick-or-treaters. Yeah. I was home one time and I, I didn't realize it was Halloween oh. because every night is Halloween. And for me in right. October, I literally didn't realize it was Halloween. And I stopped at home for two seconds. Trick-or-treaters came to the door and I just had to start giving them money. I just pulled <laughs> out my wallet and said, here, go away. No, <laughs> Here's a can of soup. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Here's a couple of cans of tuna and an old a track tape of hey, Frampton Comes Alive. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Cassandra, thank you so much for the generosity of your time. And thank you for sharing all of your crazy stories in your amazing life in your new book.
1: Thank you so, so much. I really had fun doing this interview. It well, was awesome to talk about all the rock and roll aspect.
0: Yes. Rock chicks got to stick together. Yeah. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Uh Congratulations again. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. There she is, Cassandra Peterson, otherwise known as Elvira. Her memoir, Yours Cruelly, Elvira, Memoirs of the Mistress of the Dark, is available everywhere. And we couldn't even scratch the surface of the stories that are in there. First of all, she knows everyone. Second of all, she's got a story about everyone. And third of all, She's Elvira. I can't wait to see if she ends up making the movie and who's going to play her and the documentary and the stage play and all of it. And she's probably still horrified that I told her the story about losing my virginity, but what can you do? If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss anything from the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, if you subscribe, you get the Sit Reps. The Situation Report comes out every weekday, and it gives you all of your rock news, music headlines, and industry info in less than five minutes. You can get all of the links to find Cassandra Peterson and Elvira in the show notes of this episode. And while you're there, you can also check out the corresponding playlist with all of the music that we talked about in this interview. Once again, thanks to our sponsor, Digital Federal Credit Union. You can find them at dcu.org. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.
2: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football